You are listening to Rouge, White and Blue, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Welcome to the Bruce White Blue CFL Podcast. My name is Austin, and I'll be the host of the show, as always. And, as always, joining me is my co-host, Joe Pritchard. Joe, how's it going for you this week? Uh, it's going better for me this week than it is for the Edmonton Elks, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'm totally losing count here. It must be a time zone thing or a metric conversion thing. So we're going to talk week eight games and one game from week nine. See, I have no idea. I'm also trying to keep up with the NFL as well. Uh, everything is everywhere. World, you know, playoffs are starting. So anyway, here was what I was getting to. Before we get into that, I wanted to ask you, Joe, I was thinking about this today. We can pretty much make out our CFL playoff tournament bracket, right? I mean, the only question is, is whether the Argos-Alouettes game is going to be in Montreal or Toronto, right? Really, though? Are, are you ready? Are you ready to pull the trigger on that when we've got it seems like we've got five teams that are that are at least a step ahead of things. Right. Mm-hmm. A couple games up on their opponents. Things are looking good. Uh, and then you've got four teams sitting at two wins. Mind you, Montreal's got a game in hands and are more than likely to be. Um, I feel like they're in a better position than any of their competitors, but. Yeah, same issue here, though, is that they still only have two wins along with Calgary, Edmonton, and Ottawa. I don't think we expect Ottawa to have much more than that, but Calgary or Edmonton, well, we don't expect, I don't expect Edmonton to have much more than that either at this point. Um, But I wouldn't, I'm not ready to count Calgary out yet. I don't know about you. Okay. What is the second tiebreaker? The first tiebreaker between two teams is head to head. What's the second tiebreaker? Well, if they're tied even up one game apiece, then it usually goes to the points, the total points between the teams. Okay. So. So right now, Calgary would be in fourth place by four points based on head-to-head against Edmonton. Fantastic. That that tiebreaker also doesn't matter when it comes to the crossover. Remember, Calgary does have to be better than Montreal to cross over. Sure, yeah. And right now, Calgary being better than anybody only really applies to two teams right now. Okay, so that's what you're looking at right now. You're right. looking at more of a, I don't have to be faster than the bear. I only have to be faster than you think with Calgary and the Alouettes. Okay. I think those are the two teams duking it out. I think, uh, and we'll get to this more as we go into our game recaps, but I think Edmonton just showed that they're not, they're not really in a position to be thinking about playoffs right now. There's, they're doing the Jim Mora clip right about now. Uh, playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs. You kidding me? Playoffs? I just hope we can win a game. Another game. Okay, well, you have more faith in Calgary than I do. You know, I, I'm always the first one to dial out on, on long-running dominant teams like the Stampeders. But, okay, still seven games left. I see the argument. They could still pull this out. Montreal always seems to shoot themselves in the foot, but I guess that's what happens when you have a gunslinger quarterback. I guess I can talk more about that a bit later on. Let's get into a combination of last week's games and 
this week's games. So, last week we had Hamilton Tiger Cats 24, Ottawa Red Black 7. Uh, this was our first real rain dampened game of the season. And for the Red Blacks, both Matt Nichols and Dominique Davis left injured. And wide receiver Nate Bahar was at quarterback riff. And then this week, Caleb Evans comes in, first CFL start, throws three TDs against zero interceptions. And it's Red Blacks 34, Edmonton Elks 24. Now, you've already let me know what you think about the Elks. This game is indicative of this. Down 17 to nothing in the first half. Then went down 24 to 7 early in the third quarter. Never really were in this game. I, I was shocked to recall that they scored 24 points here. Any greater takeaways from this? I mean, yeah, there's a, there's a lot to unpack here for the Red Blacks. I mean, we got the result we exact we expected in Week Eight. Like, it, it, if you had to sit down and poll everybody that watches CFL and does plays pick'em, they were all like, "Yeah, it's Hamilton, and it's not going to be close. It's not going to be fun." And it kind of really wasn't. I mean, I, I this is a game I checked out on a couple times, to be fair. Um, but they may have made some addition by subtraction by taking. Matt Nichols and Dominic Davis out of the picture, at least for the time being, um, due to injury, because they were relying on these veterans to move their offense, and that hadn't happened. So, of course, what happens is they come back with two players that had never played in the CFL before. So you have the advantage of there being no tape on them, at least on the pro level. You have the disadvantage in that this is really the first time they're playing the CFL game, and I see, I really feel like for the first time this season we've seen what Paul Apolis can do as a coach because he took the raw talent and ability that Caleb Evans had and built a game plan that worked to his strengths and was something that the Elks were not coming out expecting they went with the razzle dazzle early they hit the flea flicker (laughs) they got they got a turnover and turned that into points right away and then they went they didn't go into a conservative shell or anything, but they didn't ask Evans to do too much. They just mm-hmm. asked him to distribute the ball after that, and really, and, and sometimes calling it, to call his own number to get the ball distributed to even more people. But Paul Apples did not ask Caleb Evans to do anything he couldn't do, mm-hmm. and the Elks had no idea what he could or couldn't do, and it worked out to perfection. And it was probably the best Ottawa could have asked for an opponent for that situation because Edmonton has just. Uh, is individuals and not a team. That's actually true, not to tweet my own horn or anything, but I actually tweeted about that. I said, yeah, it looked like not only was Edmonton unprepared for this quarterback, they were unprepared in all phases of the game. I mean, they ran back a touchdown, right? There's a special teams touchdown in this game against Edmonton. Yep. Half asleep in this game. I spent a lot of time thinking about this game before it happened. Because there were so many different ways this could have gone. Right. Had it gone the way that we know, with the players we know, playing up to their abilities, and even a mediocre to poor performance from Ottawa's quarterbacks, this should have been Edmonton's game to have. I I think if you play this game ten times, Ottawa probably comes out like this two or three times. But they happen to hit the right notes in this one. They happen to get... They happen to ask the right things of their quarterback. They happened to pick the quarterback that had no CFL experience. 
they happened to pick the one that could play without that experience, at least for one week, which isn't always an easy ask. Well, these come out of nowhere and have a great first outing. It's hardly unusual in the CFL, the NFL, in American college football. It's just, it's not that bizarre. You know, we've talked about this. You don't have the tape. You don't have the tape. And the thing is, right. like, you were talking about this. He did just mm-hmm. enough, right? They, they, they gave him the simple game plan. He's 15 of 22. No, I mean, yeah, he threw three touchdowns, but fewer than 200 yards. What I'd be curious about, though, is players putting in that position. How often do they come out and just bomb, and how often do they come out and have a right. good game? I really right. don't have a sense of that. Right. Because you're, you're asking a player that wasn't on the roster last yeah. week <laughs> to come in and be your starter. How often does that happen? In, like, three or four days, right? Yeah. And, and I was thinking about this, too. Talk about your element of surprise, right? They have no tape on this dude. And guess what? You're going to be playing them in like three or four days because they only knew that they were going to play this guy at about the same time the Red Blacks did, right? Like they were planning that both of their, you know, one, two quarterbacks were going to get injured in the same game. Yeah, sure. This is what blows my mind is that like, how could the Elks blow this one? I mean, to me, this one's really on the coaching step. I mean, not totally. I mean, the way that that offense looked in the first half. Okay, so are the Elks done? I think so. Wow. I think so. So are kind of the Elks done, but maybe not the Red Blacks, or are the Red Blacks done too? I'm not going to sit here and say the Red Blacks are going to start are going to turn turn on the Jets and all of a sudden they're not a <laughs> nine five team or anything like that. Right. But for the first time this year, they have to feel at least not horrible about their offensive performance. So there's something. There's room for optimism. That optimism might be four wins or five wins at this point, but it's better than what we what they were feeling last week, which was one in 13 is a definite possibility. Okay, now Ottawa is off until Wednesday, so they get a nine-day week. Okay, so that's pretty good. They'll have some time to conjure up something. Okay, let's go on to this one from last week, from week eight. Toronto Argonauts 30, Montreal Alouettes 27. I just want to say straight out that this Montreal Alouettes team, this particular team this year, I I haven't yelled at a team through the screen so much in. I was actually trying to figure this out. I think it's about 15 years. I think it's when Shaquille O'Neal and Kobe Bryant were going through that messy divorce while also trying to win the championship for the Lakers. We did the last podcast thinking that Kari Jones would still be off the sideline. He was back, made the COVID protocols just in time to return a coach. It wasn't enough. You know, when you get a gunslinger, you get these questionable decisions. And again, the questionable decisions were there. I kind of think the Alouettes might have pulled it off, but there was a play in the fourth quarter with about five minutes left that Charleston Hughes just blew up Eugene Lewis right at the line on second down, and they punted. And I was just like, oh, I thought that was I thought that was the turning point of the game. And sure enough, the Argos went back down the field, kicked the three point field goal, ten point lead. Again, like to me, I feel like the Argonauts are catching all of these teams on the right week. 
you know, they've they've gotten to play the Alouettes twice now. The Alouettes are either without a coach or being the Alouettes, i.e. shooting themselves in the foot. Would that be the wing in the case of the Alouettes shooting themselves in the wing? And is it so? Are the Argos the luckiest team out there? Maybe, but they have to be good enough to take advantage of that luck. They are good. I mean, you could put the you could put teams in favorable positions. They don't necessarily have to pull it up, pull it off when you give them when you give it to them like that. You would think Edmonton would be would have been in a favorable position last night. Sure, you're on the road, but Ottawa hasn't won for eleven straight games at home. And they're playing a guy that they that's never played in the CFL before. You think that would be the kind of luck that would help a team win a game? Toronto's taking advantage of those opportunities when they're getting them. Right. Not that they've had that specific opportunity, but they've had opportunities where teams aren't at their best, and they've taken advantage of them. Okay. From the outside vantage point, you have no ponies in this particular race. Can you imagine that the Alouettes will really put together? a correct fourth quarter drive to score and possibly win, if not tie and send it into overtime at any point this season. Absolutely. They have the, they have the ability to do so and they have the type of quarterback that's going to make it hard to defend him for quarters. He can pull it. He can, we see it. We even seen he was a yard short against Calgary, but that was a fantastic drive. It just was a yard short. Yes. It was, and he had a good one in this game, too, when it was too little too late. When it came down to it, I think this week I'm going to blame it on the execution a lot. So I take you, you weren't weren't in favor of their execution this week. (sighs) The truth is that when you Alouettes and you have standback, your best go-to on first down is run. Sure, of course it is. But in the first quarter, Okay, and then and then on the second on the second play pass, and sometimes you have to check down, and you don't get the ten yards. Okay, fine, but in the first quarter, if you're going for it on third down, why don't you just go for it all the time? Particularly in the fourth quarter, any time the ball is on the opposite side of the field, you should be going for it at that point. Because why not? Again, the the theory behind going for it is. If you punt it, it's going to be a touchback. Now, in the CFL, you have some push against that because of the rouge. Okay, but, you know, the effect is still, I mean, you're going to have probably, if you punt it, you'll gain like 20 yards of field position. What's the point? What's the point? And if you're always going to run it on first down and be completely predictable, that's fine because you can get away with it with standback. But then you can't be depending on the pass to convert second and three every time, you know? And if you are, well, play three-down football. Did you notice how few punts were in this game, by the way? Yeah, the offenses were saying it were, were flowing right up and down the field right. the whole game. Right, right. This was a nice flowing game. And it was just like, it, it, it's almost as though the playbook shrinks on second down. It's like, oh, my God, what do we do? And that's when you can be at your most creative, especially in short-yarded situation. Have you – and that's uh, my favorite down in the CFL is second and one, especially the way Winnipeg does it. 
second and one, or stretch that out though a little bit. Go second and three and think, hey, if I get sure. two yards, we'll be third and one. But it gives sure. you so many opportunities to make the defense think you're doing one thing and then you do another, or you just go and get it and then try again on first down. Like you got, you have so many opportunities. The defense really can't gear up for one thing or the other on second and short. Like open your playbook. Yeah. Take a shot. If it's certain three, then then do your short pass. Get, get your first down. Yeah, I almost wish, I almost wish that um, the the Alouettes had more options on first down, other than stand back, because it would be awesome to run him on third and three. Constantly. Well, we'll run, we'll run the run the play action once in a while then. Yeah, play action. Get Vernon moving on the rollout after that. Like have have the defense committed to stand back, and then Vernon rolls out. That that's like gravy for you at that point. Yeah, the longer Vernon has the ball at this point, the more likely it is he's going to make a questionable decision. One feels like, but when they put it all together, that's a nice team. I like that you did that. That even on an off week, you managed to bring it around to the to the bomb. That was sublime joke. That happens once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> all right, here we go. Are you excited for this one? Game of the week, game of the year so far. Uh, comeback of the year, probably only comeback of the year so far. Story of Saskatchewan Riders 31, BC Lions 24 has got to be Cody Vajardo leading the fourth quarter 54-yard drive with less than two minutes remaining. This is what we wanted Vernon to do. Yep, and this is and this is what I was looking for in this game was which team is going to take which four and two team was going to say second place is ours. We're going to keep nipping at the bombers' heels. We're going to put we're going to put our opponent in in a in a worse situation than they were when they came into this game. And the Riders went and snatched it. And that's what we were looking. That's what I was looking for to see is would one of these two teams step up and say this is mine. And the Riders did. And if they would have played a crappy game, both teams, and it would have been which team wants to win, well, maybe I'm sitting here as a Bomber fan thinking, oh, maybe neither of these teams is a threat. But the we got to keep we got to keep ahead of the we got to keep moving. The Riders are nipping at our heels, even though the Bombers do have the tiebreaker there. Nobody else has beaten them yet. So you answered my questions uh, about the Riders vis-a-vis the Bombers. If I were you, I'd be more more concerned with meeting these guys for the third time because again, it doesn't matter like what the home away circumstances are at this level of professional football. It's real tough to beat a team three times in a row. I would say, though, given that Winnipeg is heading to BC this week, this might have been the best scenario for the Bombers, having BC be two down when we're heading out west this next week. Mm. And not mm. coming off of, hey, we're number two, and we're a game away from being number one, because if they had a one, you know, BC wins... Saskatchewan and then Winnipeg, all of a sudden they're sitting in the number one spot. Now that we don't have to worry about that this week. We're going to talk this week's game. That would be week nine and probably what? One game week ten. We'll talk those games and laughingly try and fill out your CFL pick'em card right after that. talk next week's game. Uh, actually, this week's game. Just a moment, but actually, Joe, I did want to ask you this. 
fantasy football. You want to weigh in this week? I keep having this scenario where I pick most of the same guys as my opponent, and like the one or two different guys we pick, they happen to beat me. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sitting at three and five. I, I actually, since the first week happened, I picked a lot of the same guys as my opponent, um, Superfan Mike over at the Turf District, but. He picked one more player than I did that played in that game, and that player got a zero. So I'm feeling pretty good. I basically have a roster spot in hand against wow. what I, I have versus what he has. So hopefully I picked well enough that my four beat his three going forward, going for, through the rest of the week here. Through week nine, yeah. Okay. Yep. I think we only have one team that's like way out in front of everybody. Everybody else is like in a cluster of like, Four and four and three and five and such. Like <laughs> we're, all, we're all beating oh, yeah. the crap out of each other. It's pretty. It's pretty fun. Who who hosts that? Who who's the? Uh, is it the league? Yeah, that's on the. Okay. So what we do is we created a league on the our a league on the um, league's official fantasy provider page, and then we keep track on a spreadsheet basically who's facing who each given week. All right, let's start week nine in the real CFL. Um, Winnipeg Blue Bombers coming off a bye. One and a half point favorites at BC Lions. Really, just one and a half, Joe. Yeah, I mean, BC is not a team to take lightly right now. They're good. They're a good football team. There's a few of those in this league, even though we seem to be talking about mostly the bad ones today so far. <laughs> they're a, definitely a step ahead of where they were in 2019. That's for sure. They, they've been able to come together bring some of the right people in and make some of the talent that was there already better. So they'd be a, they're a challenge when they're at home. They're, they're not an easy out. I mean, Saskatchewan took what? 59 minutes, 59 plus minutes before they were able to beat them. I think they're not an easy out. I've been wavering on this game all week, but I'm going to take BC as a home team here because oh. they've got, yeah, Winnipeg is not going to go 13 and one. This is one oh. I could easily see them just not quite having it all together for. And especially with BC coming off a disappointing loss like that, they might be eager to get right back into it and try to keep up and try to make it, make it a chase in the West. Well, you, you stole some of my logic there at the end. Uh, I, I also would take BC minus the one and a half. That's basically BC. I would definitely take that. Um, I, if you take a closer look at the stats of the writers lions game, uh, the Riders outdid the Lions on time of possession by more than 35 to 25. Uh, the, right, the Riley had the best player on the field, Lucky Whitehead. Six receptions, 111 yards. Um, Riley threw two touchdowns against zero picks, whereas Cody Fajardo had one and one. Uh, other than that, they had basically the same statistics. I think BC was... A pretty good team last week, and I think they're going to win this week. I think, you know, like you said, the Bombers are probably not going to go 13-1. and So, yeah, they dropped this one. The good news is you'll probably cruise the rest of the way. I mean, they've got the Elks back-to-back weeks the next couple weeks. Oh. So. <laughs> and then the return match with BC in Winnipeg. So it's definitely an important wow. stretch for that BC, for BC-Winnipeg. As long as Winnipeg wins one of those two. They should be in a really nice position, having 
the tiebreaker over the Riders and hopefully the tiebreaker over the Lions too, but that's no guarantee there. But having the tiebreaker over both would just make it a lot smoother of a ride down the stretch. Right. Let's go on to Montreal Alouette. Two and a half point underdog at Hamilton. Well, two and a half point underdogs is mighty kind wow. of, ben, of Ben Regal. Yeah. So what am I missing here? Because every time I think I think there's a gimme like that, it comes back to bite me in the ass. But basically what you're saying what they're saying is that they believe Montreal's a half point better than Hamilton and they give Hamilton a three point home bump. Right. Don't know if I I don't know if I buy that. Well, the last time we saw Hamilton they were starting David Watford at quarterback. So but but the Hamilton defense against Vernon Adams doesn't scare the living hell out of you? <laughs> well, you just told me, and, and I'm going like, to live and die by your words from this point on this season. You just told me that they're capable of putting together fourth quarter drive. Okay, this is the game. This is the game they're going to do it. <laughs> I would presume that that's why that line is that. It's because of Montreal. The way Joe's talking, you should probably go under either way. Well, that's been a pretty safe bet until the last couple of weeks. So I, uh, I'm going to take the Alouettes plus the points for sure. Why not? Why not us? Well, I think you could tell where I'm going with this. I'm going to disagree yeah. with you and go Hamilton, which I feel like is the first time this year I've gone against <laughs> Montreal and you've gone for them because it's usually the other way around. But while I'm learning my lesson, you may not be. I don't, I don't know how that. I don't know how this is working. <laughs> or it's either that, or I'm just really crappy at Pickham, and you're just deciding that picking against me is a good idea, which is not bad logic, to be fair. Well, when I can't decide, I have played contrarian, and I'm two and zero. Yep. I, I'm not uh, sorry to be playing contrarian to you here. Is- yes, my pick on record is just awful. So, <laughs> <laughs> And finally, to close out the week on Saturday, Saskatchewan, two-and-a-half-point favorite at Cal. I'm going with the same logic. I wasn't exactly blown away by Saskatchewan. I mean, obviously, they got things done when they needed to. wasn't exactly blown away. I just went into how statistically they're far less impressive than the BC Lions in general last week. But I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to stick with it. No one's beat the Riders yet, except for the Bombers. And so I'll stick with them until then. And two and a half points, that's a field goal. So I'll give them points. Yep, I'm with you. I'm with you here. I'm taking the Riders. They just don't seem to match up well with the Bombers. But nobody else seems to match up well with them. So until I see somebody else match up with them and uh, beat them, I'll, I'm probably going to be picking the Riders a lot for the next couple of weeks. I'm guessing. <laughs> and given that they, so here's the here's here's their schedule: Riders at Calgary next week, home against Calgary, bye week, week eleven at Calgary. Uh, I think they call it Stampstober. Uh, I. Do you like that was a Piffles Pod thing? I hope I'm giving credit to the right people. So, yeah, Saskatchewan and Calgary. Uh, I mean, if Calgary's going to climb back into it, they don't have an easy road. <laughs> well, yeah, it's only fair. Winnipeg gets a bunch of games against Edmonton. So Saskatchewan should get a bunch of games against Calgary. Okay, finally, let's talk about a game from early next week. From early next week? That will be mm-hmm. early next week. Ottawa's next game is seven point, has them seven point underdogs at Toronto Argonaut. 
they got the bye week last week. So I get the feeling like two or three weeks ago, this would have been 11 and a half points, but they're only getting seven and a half this week. So newfound respect for the Red Blacks after that game. I guess the X factor is quarterback here, but I don't believe that the luck has run out for the Argonauts yet. I think they're drawing these teams at the right times. I think at the end of the season, we're going to look back and say, oh, yeah, Ottawa never strung together two wins. So I can't really see it happening here for the for the Red Blacks. I think I'm just going to go jock here, go Argonauts. Do they win by eight or more points? I would make this interesting in Las Vegas or in Canada, I guess, and play uh, Toronto win. Ottawa covers the spread. Yeah, I do see Toronto winning. They're just a little bit better put together as a team than Edmonton is. I think Ottawa can keep it interesting, though. Um, We'll have to see what Caleb Evans looks like once the rest of the league has gotten a little bit of film on him. Gets to try a little bit of something different on defense. And I think Toronto is a lot more of a co- cohesive unit than Edmonton is. So I do see Toronto winning this one. But hopefully Ottawa can keep it entertaining and build some momentum so that they, when they go into this next offseason, it doesn't feel like doom and gloom. <laughs> right. Okay. Folks, I am just going to keep this short and sweet because I am overbooked. Poor Joe has to suffer through my constantly flipping schedule. Joe, why don't you take us out of here with some exciting words, but non-bomber involved. Well, I mean, if you're a Montreal fan, (laughs) one of us here is, you get Ottawa twice over the span of less than a week coming up shortly, and you'll have had a lot more rest going into the first, first one of those games, so... Might be time for Montreal to put the pedal to the metal and uh, get some get uh, get some clearance here. Well, this is the peak part of the season for Montreal, right? This is the part of the season we've been waiting for. After this week against Hamilton, this is the part of the schedule we've been waiting for. Yep. Right? The great majority of the games now are at home. I think we got two more away games after Hamilton this week. That's it. So another plus for our yep. side. And, and Ottawa three times, which actually gives them the opportunity to climb out of a hole if they decide to get hot so you know be be careful about that yeah don't do that to me (laughs) (laughs) right for my co-host joe richard i'm oz davis this has been the rich white blue cfl podcast enjoy the games thanks for listening find more great shows like this at cf pod network on twitter 